You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, getting you ready for your weekend here with the latest buzz from many camps around the NFL. I've been collecting some little nuggets, different players, different things happening in different camps, Matt, and I think it'll be fun to kind of go through some of these reports and and maybe get too excited or too down on some players after they had a bad practice in front of media or whatever it is. Sure. <laughs> Let me stop you there because I'm not putting a damper on the show. I think it's a great thing to do to end the week, put a bow on OTAs, mini camps, all the little things we're hearing, but I kind of spelled this out yesterday too. I mean, I'm, I'm sure we'll touch on it. Here's an example. Two or through five interceptions the other day. Well, that's not good. I'm not going to say it's wonderful. But they may have went into that practice, and Coach Flores goes to him, I want you to be ultra-aggressive today, Tua. You know, like, it, it doesn't matter. I just want you to take every risk you possibly can and try to fit that ball in the tightest of windows just to kind of get you in that mode. You know I mean? So... Don't go crazy. There's no hitting. There's no pass rush. Um, you know, receivers are going to look good. Nobody's blasting them over the middle. But I do think it's really interesting to note these things that we're going to talk about. Right. And it is practice and you're, yeah. you're practicing things. And, uh, you know, if you, if you want to sort of compare it to other sports, if it was baseball, maybe you're working on a new pitch and it's your fourth pitch. Doesn't always go well. <laughs> you throw, you know, yeah, you throw 13 fork balls in a row and some of, a lot of them are in the dirt and you maybe a couple of them get hit by a, a batter when you're doing some live BP or something like that. And the hitters know they're coming. Like, yeah. Here comes another fork ball right. and he's not very good at it yet. You know, those type of things. That's a great example. They're working on things. It's practice. So you can't take it 100%. But some of these, there's some competitions going on and, and there's <laughs> some things you can take away if one guy just looks completely different than another guy and the two of one is interesting too and that's definitely one of the notes I had here but uh, there were reports that he rebounded on the next practice and, and and remained aggressive so that was part of it he was being aggressive and really trying to get the ball downfield and he threw the five interceptions in one practice reports were that he looked a lot better in the next practice from uh, beat reporters that were there but it reminds me of Going back to the 49ers in 2019 at training camp Jimmy Garoppolo who's traditionally not been a great practice player not an amazing yeah, practice right. player, hasn't been horrendous, but there's this one practice where he threw five interceptions, kind of like the Tua thing, on five consecutive passes. Five consecutive that, yeah. attempts were picked off in uh, in camp. And this was training camp, too. This wasn't even OTAs. And the 49ers went on to a Super Bowl with Garoppolo quarterback. And it was a huge deal. Like Everyone was like, oh, my God, Jimmy Garoppolo threw five interceptions. What's going on here? Uh, and they went to the Super Bowl. So well, He's persistent, mean- at least. You know, I mean, <laughs> he didn't, didn't give it up. So what we're trying to say is the Dolphins are going to uh, represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. Right, obviously. And the other thing, just I know everyone is making reservations for Tahiti or wherever they're going, Disney with their kids. You're not going to hear a lot these next five weeks or so. But there are a lot of good football players that aren't, aren't employed right now. You could field a Texans-like team right now with everyone that's unemployed, <laughs> which isn't saying much. But you know, so... Just tasting or getting an idea over these last couple of weeks in these mini camps probably will will push a couple teams to say, "Hey, Corey Peters, you know, I, 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 you're recovered from your injury right now. Huh? We're a little light on the D line. I don't quite trust this crew, so they're going to go fill some 
not holes, but some concern areas here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, you bring in Justin Houston to rush the pass. Yeah, you bring right, in right. Richard Sherman to cover guys in the back in the back the back end of your defense. Yep. So yeah, there are a lot of players out there that are going to find jobs in the next four or five weeks, probably. And a lot of those players either overvalued themselves the first couple of waves of free agency, and teams just didn't agree with them, or more likely had some kind of injury and couldn't pass a physical then. And maybe by now, they're in better shape. Last year at this time, Cam Newton wasn't signed. Uh, Jadavion Clowney wasn't signed. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up with Newton because he had a terrible year. Don't get me wrong. I'm not defending him, but he's had a pretty darn good career. And if you put that into context, he had COVID. There was a lot of issues, obviously, all the opt-outs. At this time last year, he was not even in New England camp yet. Right. He wasn't there to throw five interceptions and look bad. He wasn't there practicing at all. And that's one of the things with Tua is this isn't a competition with Tua. Who cares if he throws five picks every day? Nobody's taking his job. Tua's the guy there. That That's where they're rolling this year, too. No so doubt. it's not right. even a competition. So it's not like, oh, uh, I don't even, to be honest, who's the backup? I don't even know who the backup is. It's Brissett, who I like. Oh, Brissett. Jacoby Brissett. Okay. I, I mean, mean he, Tua would have to be, but you're right. Tua would have to be so horrible for Brissett to take over. Although I think Brissett's one of the best backups in the league. But yeah, I mean, they would have to solid backup there. That that's a perfect uh player to kind of push you a little bit, enough to where you know he's not gonna steal your job, but he can play. And if the Dolphins need to make a change, they can make a change. And if Tua gets hurt, Brissett can keep his head above water and they could probably still win a few games there in Miami. Yeah. But Tua's the guy. Like he's not gonna lose a job in OTAs. He's probably not gonna lose a job in training camp. It'd have to be week three or four, and he's just awful. And they they're forced to make a move there. And my hunch is, like I opened the show, I mean, I just pulled this out of thin air. I didn't read the reports of this. But I bet the coaching staff is telling him, be aggressive. I don't care if you make mistakes here. I don't want you dumping it down every time. Yeah. Throw the ball down the field. We just brought in Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle. I mean, like, <laughs> what more speed and big playability do you want? We're going to use these guys. Yeah, and uh, they, yeah, that's a big play outside the numbers receiving group there. Oh, man. I mean, that is... There's not a pair in the league that are faster than those two. And and Parker, too, on top of it. That's his deal. Right. Big, Kisaki long, fast, right. down the field, making plays with the ball in the air. So yep, uh, that's really interesting. And I brought up the Niners in 2019 and going to the Super Bowl. The Dolphins have an opportunity to be maybe that team because nobody expected that from the Niners. They just drafted second overall in the in the draft and drafted Nick Boso, who's a big part of uh, them playing really good football on the defensive side of the ball, being the best defense in the league that year. But when it comes, it comes quickly. If Tua is legit, the Dolphins could be competing in January, no doubt. So, I mean, and that's one of the things that's fun about the NFL. We don't know who it's going to be quite yet, but there's some teams like, yeah, maybe this team's on the come up. When it arrives, mm-hmm. it arrives. And the Dolphins could be really good. They could be. I mean, they've certainly, show, they've certainly shown glimpses. They've made roster overhauls over the last two years. They've gotten younger. Um, I think the coach is phenomenal. I mean, to me, that's their biggest attribute they have going for them. But you could also look at it like, well, yeah, they made big strides last year, but where is the quarterback? They were very reliant on winning the turnover differential. And, you know, history shows those things don't add up year after year. But remember how bad they were, what, two years ago, three years ago? I mean, they were the worst team in the league by a wide margin. I mean, they were the Texans. So to wrap up that report on Tua specifically, here's the better day he had after the five interception day. He said to wrap up, this is from Josh uh, Tolentino, who covers the Dolphins locally. He said to wrap up Tua today, Dolphins minicamp session with a pair of touchdowns, 
to Devontae Parker and Jalen Waddell during two-minute drill. He could have been quicker with some red zone decisions, but overall strong practice from Tagovailoa. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Tua turned it around and only took one practice. Also, I meant to say this at the beginning of the show. Beat writers have to write stuff every day. And obviously five picks, it's real easy to figure out what to write. Yeah. But there's some OTA sessions where it's hard to manufacture a column that day. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> and I want to talk, we brought up Cam Newton. We got to talk about that competition happening in New England with the Patriots. And I do have some notes on that one. But real quick, I want to go to Zachary, who responded about yesterday's show. He said, you and at Williamson NFL misreported on Jamal Adams. He was excused for family reasons. And Pete Carroll said extension is underway. Um, to that, Zachary, I will say, well, first, it wasn't my report. I was reading reports from Field Yates that was saying he was a holdout. But here's the other part of that. And I know you're a, a Seahawks fan and you want everything to be the rosiest picture possible. Jamal Adams wasn't going to show up. You know, it was reported even before camp that he wasn't yeah, coming. Right, right. He's holding out. Pete Carroll trying to make nice, as he does. He's a player's type of a coach. Excuses his absence because he knows they are talking about a contract, and he knew he wasn't showing up anyway. So it's uh, it's six of one, half Maybe a dozen of the other. Above. Jamal yeah. Adams <laughs> right. is in the practice because uh, if it's a family reasons, because he's trying to get his family more money. <laughs> right, right, and maybe there's something going on in the Adams family, and I'm not oh, the Adams family, you know, Uncle Fester. There we go. Hey, and, and I mean, and I'm not making light of that. I don't know what his personal situation is, but I'm sure he would not have shown up. This there is. It's all about the money, you know, without question. And to your point, you know, Carol is he's been around the block and he knows how to make this work out well. I mean, as we speak. Him and Russell Wilson are joking and hugging and they're best buddies again and all that's under the bridge. And I mean, I'm sure this is about money with Adams. Uh, maybe there is other things going on with his family. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, you know, Carol's smart enough to, to how to deflect this properly and, you know, present it to all of us. And Zachary, to the point for 100 percent accuracy. Yes, there's extension talks underway. Jamal Adams, not a practice excused by Pete Carroll for some personal reasons. That is technically what's going on there. But I think we all can can add things up and know what's happening there with Jamal Adams and the Seattle Seahawks and got a sneaking suspicion he won't show up until he's got a new contract. Let's move on to some other notes. How about oh, here's a, a wide receiver turning tight end has gained 30 pounds. Some of the other rookie quarterbacks, specifically Justin Fields and Mac Jones, and how their camps are going next. Let me tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, and you can track all that action at Bet Online. Get the latest news, odds, information, including Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL. Even all your UFC, MMA action, they got so much going on here. So before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or your mobile device. It's super easy. And check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get in the game as teams preps for their runs for the playoffs as well. Uh, head to the website and or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code Locked On. All one word, all caps, locked on. That's 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. This one was, it was a little bit shocking just because 30 pounds in one offseason. Jordan Matthews, former Eagle, mm, former 49er, former Patriot, uh, former Bill, I think. He's been around the league a lot. He is apparently working hard 
he's put on 30 pounds and is looking to play tight end now for his next team. So a team out there looking for uh, a tight end. Jordan Matthews was already 215, 220. So we're talking about a 250-pound Jordan Matthews next time we see him in the NFL, potentially. That one jumped out to me, uh, not because... Jordan Matthews is a big-time player, but, you know, he kind of is a little bit sluggish, bigger-bodied wide receiver. If he's 240-plus, that's plenty big these days for a tight end. It is, and it's an interesting move for him. As a receiver, I always thought he was kind of a monotone athlete. I forget how you just described it. A little sluggish, yeah. not real explosive, almost entirely a slot, you know, a, a lesser version of a – Marquise Colston type, you know, big slot that doesn't run Mm -hmm. real, real well. Contested catch guy, that type of deal. Had a pretty decent rookie year. Frankly, I didn't love him coming out of school and was shocked that he did as well as he did early on. Not that he was special. And then he bounced around quite a bit. And I'm sure he's looking at Darren Waller saying, well, what's the difference? And maybe it works out great for (laughs) Matthews. Um, and just because he's 240 and called a TE, that doesn't mean he's going to, you know, try to inline block Chase Young. I mean, he probably right. still will just be a big slot that they call a TE instead of a WR. But Waller's fast. You know, Waller eats up stride. I mean, his strides eat up grass. I mean, he's hard to deal with in space or with the ball in his hands or even on go routes. I can't imagine Matthews is, especially with the 30-pound weight on his back. I mean, worth a shot. No one's bringing you in to play receiver anymore. Yeah, go for it. And with how right. split out some tight ends are, and some are really glorified wide receivers anyway, then, yeah, give it a shot. If it can extend mm-hmm. your career, go for it. Uh, here's one. This one really jumped out to me, and I know you're going to like this because you actually traded up to get this player in your dynasty draft that we talked about earlier this week. Here's a quote from Connor Hughes, who covers the New York Jets. Quote, Rookie wide receiver Elijah Moore was the most impressive player offense or defense, any age, not just rookies, whenever he was on the field at OTAs and minicamp for the New York Jets. Your thoughts about second-round wide receiver Elijah Moore? What's funny is I had, I was on the clock for that dynasty draft, and I made a pick. I forget who it was. I don't have it in front of me. And I was torn between whatever that player was and Moore at that point. That was like my fifth or sixth rounder. I mean, it was pretty early in the draft. And I knew I had to pick like seven picks later, the way after after trading. That quote comes out like an hour after I make that selection. And I'm thinking, oh, no, I'm not going to get both. He's not going to fall to me now. So I moved up another spot and went back to back picks. And it cost me some future stuff to make sure I got both. And I I, I hate comparisons like this. And I always laugh about it. Like, who's your mind you of? Oh, Jim Brown, Lawrence Taylor. But I do think of the slot guys. He has the most Antonio Brown like outside prowess of all of them. Great route runner, pretty physical, body control. So I've loved him since day one. Hearing these reports is wonderful. I also thought at that time Crowder likely would not be back, but he is, and they're both slot types. But I also think Moore can line up outside. It might be, you know, Davis and Moore on the outside and Crowder in the slot. And just while we're talking Jets, Crowder, I thought Crowder would say, I'm not taking a pay cut. Just cut me. I'll go somewhere else. But I wonder if he looked around that room and thought, this team's finally doing it right. I kind of want to be a part of it. And then the other receiver note, it sounds like Mims is not taking the, is not high on the depth chart. 
which shocks me. That was another big takeaway from this article from yeah. Connor Hughes. Yeah, Denzel Mims not really running with the first team at all, and you thought, okay, he's going to be the outside receiver there, and you know Elijah Moore is the slot of the future. That does right now, at least in OTAs. And look again, we have to preface this: you can't take too much from these reports. This is really early on. We'll see what's going on. Maybe he's dogs by an injury or something. But there's other players on the depth chart we haven't even mentioned there. That on that you know ten deep depth chart that are ahead of Mims, and maybe Mims yeah. just isn't a good fit for the scheme because he's not much of a catch and run type of a player. He's really linear down the field type of threat. So Denzel Mims, maybe he's the one that ends up getting traded. Maybe he's just a bad fit there, or they don't like his the way he's. Working, I don't know what it is, but Denzel Mims sounds like stock big down there for the Jets. Yeah, it sure does. And just from my experience, I know nothing about the Mims situation, so I'm not accusing him of this. But remember that receiver draft was was loaded, obviously. I mean, as they have been the last couple of years. I thought he was going to go in the first round and didn't. And that was a big – alarms went off in my head when he lasted as long as he did. And I immediately thought, well, is there an injury? Is there a character-slash-work ethic problem? Or, I don't want to say he's dumb, but does he struggle to learn? It may be one of those things correlates to why he's not atop the death chart. Yeah, it's really hard to know exactly, but no, it's I, not yeah, a I good don't sign I when just, undrafted. I've been free around agents. this league a while, and that's usually the reasons why. Yeah, yep. Absolutely. Both those things happen. Never a good sign when undrafted free agents are up ahead of you in the depth chart to start spring practices so we'll see what happens there with the Jets Uh, one more note on the Jets was that Zach Wilson looks really good and is everything that you could hope for for a rookie quarterback to look in his first OTAs but Connor Hughes again said but hold on because Sam Darnold always looked really good too and it always is like hey OTA (laughs) Sam Darnold is pretty good so that he's like pump the brakes a little bit because we'll we'll see when bulls start flying yeah and I hadn't realized this until Last night, I forget what podcast I was listening to, and I listened to a million of them. The Jets quarterback depth chart, the entire Jets quarterback room, has zero NFL starts. It's like the Morgan kid from last year. And yeah, zero NFL starts for the Jets quarterback room. Wow. That is very interesting. No no adult in the room there. No. No. That's that's not ideal, right? No, I think it's terrible, to be honest with you. I mean, couldn't you have brought Flacco back or, you know, I mean, not Matt Schaub. I mean, he's been done for five years, but that type of guy, you know, the the McCown type that's yeah, been there for a million the years that they're going to be coached someday. Play, it's like, dude, wear sweats or whatever, but uh, we, yeah, need, right. uh, we need a coach <laughs> right. on the field. Grab Hoyer. I mean, isn't that why the Patriots brought Hoyer back? I mean, there's there's many of them. Yeah, they got four quarterbacks in Patriots camp. Okay, we got to talk Patriots camp next. One huge, huge problem I already have with what I've seen from Mac Jones as a pro next. I always stick a built bar in my golf bag because it's the perfect thing to power you through the back nine so you don't go into the clubhouse and order you know, something terrible for you, a chili dog or burger and fries or whatever. Then your hands or fingers are greasy when you're trying to play golf for the back nine. Quick and easy, have a built bar roll into the 10th hole and get some protein that will power you through and a lot of times even play better, not weighed down by some huge meal. More room for an extra beverage too if, if that's how you play your back nine. But my friend, I have to take two Built Bars because my friend's like, hey, you got one of those Built Bars? Like scratching his neck. He's like, yeah, yeah, give me one of those Built Bars. I love those Built Bars. And I'm like, dude, you got to go. BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON. Get your own box of Built Bars because I'm not going to keep supplying 
you build bars every time we play golf because I want to hoard some for myself. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, even great for a keto diet. Go to BuiltBar.com, 15% off with promo code LOCKED15. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15. It's been well documented, Matt, when we went through the whole saga with the 49ers, and I didn't think that Mac Jones should be the number three pick in the draft. You know, pick 15 made a lot more sense to the New England Patriots. That's not a problem at all I have with Mac Jones, and there's been good and bad reports so far from Mac Jones. He showed up at OTAs with number 50 on his back. What the hell are you doing, Mac Jones? Why are you trying to derail your career wearing number 50? I mean, I'm seeing this guy's like, why is the linebacker throwing passes right now? It's Mac Jones, 5-0 on his back. What is he doing? I think that's a Belichick thing. I think because he's done these things in the past that he wants all the players, like he puts Brady in 50, I think. Don't quote me on that. We might need to look into that because I think this time of year and early in camp, Belichick will have some where none of them have numbers, so they can't say 55's a mic, 55's a mic. You just have to know the opponent and not have numbers to rely on. I don't think that's a Mac Jones decision. I think that's a, a double B decision. But why? Everyone knows he's a quarterback. He's got a red jersey on. He's got a red jersey, first of all, that'll tell you. <laughs> you know? Like it would be more confusing for the quarterback if the other players didn't have fifties on and, and wore single. That's digits, what I mean. Which, if the linebackers yeah. were ninety nine or two or something like that, that makes more sense than putting a seventy five on your kicker. That's really interesting. Okay, I would let any Patriots fans out there let us know. Did Tom Brady used to wear goofy numbers in practice? But here's the bigger issue with this. If you're Cam Newton and you're a veteran and now you're in year two and and you can excuse away some of your bad play from last year and you can't beat out a rookie that's wearing number 50, then that's a bad sign too. And uh, really up and down practices for both of those players. But um, apparently there was one really good practice from Mac Jones where people thought, man, maybe he will beat out Cam Newton. And there's been some ugliness from Cam Newton. And I've seen some video of some bad throws, just missing really easy throws. And apparently that's a daily issue with Cam Newton. Not not looking super sharp so far in year two. Yeah, all the reports have been bad for Cam, good for Mac. So maybe that does put them in conflict to some degree. But, I mean, Belichick has quite the track record. Do you think he would ever trust a rookie quarterback after spending that much money in free agency? You know what I mean? Like, they're not in it for the, the a slow rebuild here. They went crazy in free agency. I got to think that Cam has the job unless he just totally blows it or his body's shot. Yeah, maybe just gets enough. Just gets enough playing time to where it's obvious and you have to put the rookie in during the season, but I'd be shocked if it's not Cam Newton to start the year. Yeah. Yeah. And me too. I mean, I, th- I think Lance and Jones are truly most likely to sit, you know, yes. first on quarterbacks, everyone says that I always use a Blake Bortles argument. They go to the podium after taking Blake Bortles. He's going to sit all year. Week three is a starter for Jacksonville. I mean, like that happens every year. And I think that's what's going to happen to field. But I actually believe Jones and Lance might not play a game this year. Stidham still in the mix, too. And apparently Stidham's the two, Mac Jones the three, and then Hoyer the four. And apparently Hoyer's really bad, too. I think he's like one for six in one practice report I saw. So, I mean, and I don't like, look, and I don't like looking at what your, um, what your statistics are. In, and I sure. know beat reporters do it. And again, you have to have something to write about. But, I mean, you got to complete more than one pass in a practice if you throw, you know, but they don't get a lot of attempts either. Like if you're the fourth quarterback, you get six attempts. No. That's it. No, absolutely. And 
you know, this is kind of the point we we're talking about with the Jets. I think Hoyer is probably just a quarterback coach. I, yeah. I think Stidham could fall in that Minshew area where maybe somebody sends a fifth round pick for a young guy, you know, Tampa Bay, pitch, you know, one of these guys as an old established quarterback, you know, I, I think one of those guys, those type of players could be on the move. And I was, I want to tell a quick beat, right? Beat reporter story. Cause I mentioned, I do the Steelers show. I'd mentioned all the time. Everyone knows with Dale Lawley, who has been covering the team forever. So training camp opens for the Steelers way back when huge quarterback controversy is it Cordell Stewart or Kent Graham. So all the beat reporters every day are publishing Cordell was seven for eight. Graham was six for two or, you know, two for six or whatever. So then they realized Kent Graham learned this stuff and started completing like 95% of his passes because he had dumped it to the running back every throw because he was starting <laughs> to read the clippings. <laughs> How crazy is that? Cordell's like trying to make plays and, you know, throw the ball down the field where, you know, the, the, the older veteran Graham's like, well, I can be look really good in the newspapers if I just dump it to the running back. Yeah, he's like, well, I'm not going to win this job anyway, so at least I can look good in the <laughs> right. paper. <laughs> right, right. I'll get some good pub out of it. Uh, I love that. Uh, here's an interesting one. You brought up Justin Fields. Matt Nagy was on the PFF podcast with Chris Collinsworth, and he was asked straight up. He's like, hey, was there a situation where Justin Fields is going to go into week one as your starter? And Matt Nagy was he's like, no, no, no. We got a plan. We're going to stick to our plan. It's Andy Dalton. And he, he, he went on to say, and you know, things can change. This and that can happen. You never know what's going to happen. There could be injuries or whatever. But our, we have a plan, and we're going to stick with this plan. And that plan is for Andy Dalton to be the starter to start the season, even though Justin Fields, by all reports, has looked really good. There was a, there was a Darnell Mooney, I think it was, that said he was literally smiling when he had the first yeah. deep ball thrown from Justin Fields. While the ball's in the air, he's just smiling as it's coming down. I mean, it's it's got to look really different between Dalton and Fields physically, but they're going to roll with the veteran, and that's their plan, Andy Dalton being the starter week one. Here's my hunch on that. First of all, I'm not sure Nagy's quite as good with the media as like we talked about with Carol, you know, like he's not quite the smooth customer that some of these other coaches are with how they phrase things mm -hmm. and things like that. Because of course these beat reporters take out the sentence or two in the whole conversation they like best. And that's the headline. So my hunch is again, a semi-educated guess from me is when the bears contacted Dalton for the first time, I bet they told him, we are bringing you in as our starter. You know, I bet that was said. So I think they just want to not lie to the player. I mean, that doesn't mean that he has to start week one. You know, they can always say, boy, it's obvious Fields lost a job. But I bet somebody told Andy, you're the starter. And if it's your plan, it's too, a too early to bail on that plan. So that should be what you're saying. But I think we all so know that right. once we see preseason games and once training camp plays out, that could start to look a lot different. And we saw it with Russell Wilson, his rookie year. And if the young guy that you moved up to get is ready to play, he's your future, then he's going to play. And we know that's absolutely the case. How long would that take? I have no idea. But what, if you're in best ball drafts, jump on fields while you still can. You know, those right. type of things. Yeah. <laughs> this is where you make gonna... money in fantasy leagues because you know the reports oh. are bogus. Right, exactly. He's playing soon. I think it was Mike Tyson who said, right, everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Right. So Actually, that, that situation reminds me a little bit of when the Ravens drafted Lamar. Like, Flacco and Dalton at that stage of Flacco's career, probably in the same tier. You know, they're okay. Obviously, they drafted a first-round guy to replace them. But the problem is, 
okay, Joe starts the season. And that lasted longer than it probably should have because Lamar had packages. But the problem is every day you go to practice and then you go back to the locker room and every one of those human beings at practice, including every teammate, knows who the better player is and knows who they want to play with and who they don't want to play against. I mean, in a way, you're kind of lying to your team if you put out the lesser player. And that doesn't fly. Yeah, I think that's they, the bigger part know. of it. And Flacco already had the locker room because he was already a Raven for so long. Won a Super sure. Bowl. Like, won a Super Bowl. And nobody's right. married to Andy Dalton there in that True. Bears locker room either. So that's even an easier switch to make for Chicago. I mean, can you imagine, though, if you're like Terrell Suggs or somebody like that on that Raven team? Yeah. And, whoa, look at this guy that they just brought in. Holy <laughs> crap. I do not want to play against him. And there's probably a level, that's the other thing, is we see the physical nature, you see the throws and everything, you see the wow plays, but there's a mental level of a hurdle that a rookie has to cross before you can be allowed to play, kind of, you know? Mm-hmm. So you have sure. to prove that, too. And most guys probably in their rookie seasons haven't proven that by OTAs, but they put the work in, maybe by the end of training camp, you realize, okay, well, he's crossed that hurdle. Like, he's crossed the threshold of, yep, we can put him in and start a game with him. Another great example, actually, is Seattle. They gave people forget this part. They gave Matt Flynn a lot of money in in free agency. Kind of take a flyer in the third round on this short quarterback out of Wisconsin, Russell Wilson. And oh, Flynn's a starter. We brought him in to be the starter. Of course, he's a starter. By like week three of the preseason, well, we just keep putting stuff on Russell's plate, and he keeps digesting it and asking for more. And we think we're going to give him a shot in week one, like because he's way better. Yep. And actually, I I feel like this is a lot more like that 2012 Seahawks situation in Chicago. Went and got somebody outside the organization, probably told them we're bringing you in to be the starter. You know, I've got a bunch more notes here. Uh, I want to get to some more. We're not going to hit them all, but a couple of quick hitters here. Drew Brees at practice with the Chargers. That was interesting. Helping out young Justin Herbert there this week. Interesting. Uh, Why not? I mean, I, I don't think he left. Did he leave there on bad terms? I mean, I know they... He had a wrecked shoulder when he left, and yeah. they drafted Rivers. I don't know if he was discouraged about that. I mean, it's a million years ago anyway, and the new coaching staff, the three coaching staffs later probably. Yeah, I'm not sure. Does he still have like an off-season home there or something like that? I don't know. It's interesting that he would already jump over and be helping out uh, a different franchise there. His old team that drafted him, the San Diego Chargers now, the Los Angeles Chargers. So maybe he does have a Southern California. I feel like every athlete has either a, a, a second home or a first home in Florida or California somewhere. That's what I was thinking. Like, I, I don't think he's going to Buffalo. No offense, Bills fans. Or, you know, <laughs> I think it's like, ah, San Diego's a nice spot. I've spent some time here. Maybe I'll stop at Chargers practice if they'll let me, you know? Uh, here's one. And this is the this is like the positive glowing reports that you love to hear and you love the quotes. We'll see if it comes to fruition. And he was a big disappointment in his rookie year. Got passed up by a bunch of wide receivers, but... Raiders coach John Gruden said that Henry Ruggs looks much better than he did last season, wants to get him more involved in the offense and not just be a decoy. Good. Uh, we'll see it if it happens. I think both of us clearly would have taken Judy and Lamb over Ruggs yes. and thought that was a mistake, and the Raiders have not done well with their first-round picks. But I also think we've given a lot of people, Tua and some of these other guys that were rookies last year, a pass for so-so rookie years. And I do think there's a misconception that the only thing Ruggs can do is run a 4-2. Like, he's still pretty talented. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, it, 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 let's not bury him quite yet. And it's not usually year one, especially in that COVID offseason last year. It's usually year two and three when wide receivers really take that step and take off. So he's absolutely got that opportunity. And, yeah, he's talented. He's not just 
a speed guy. He's got some other right. skills to go with it. Last one. And here, if really... the Raiders didn't take him, he wasn't going to last much longer. <laughs> exactly. Let's stay in the division, finish it up here. Last one. This is one of the best camp battles, uh, I think, in in the league this year. Quarterback Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. Sounds like Drew Locke taking a decisive lead in OTAs. And almost every report I saw was like, yeah, Locke looked much better today. And throwing the ball Good. down the field. And so sounds like Drew Locke, at least um, round one, is fending off Teddy Bridgewater. Good. I think that's what the Broncos organizations, what Broncos fans want. Maybe, you know, these votes of confidence, what they think will help Locke. I'm not saying they're untrue. I just know what Teddy is. And Teddy, to me, is a very good backup. They couldn't be any more different in terms of stylistic. You know, I I think, you know, Denver is loaded around the quarterback position. And again, let's not bury Locke quite yet. Very Jameis Winston-like start to his career. We're wrapping things up here, right? Yeah. I got one more note. Okay. I know you're a huge coffee drinker. Um, I pretty much only drink coffee at the radio station. I have two big cups for my two-hour show and gets me rolling. This morning, for whatever reason, decided to make myself a cup. Been sipping one while we're here. But it's the Starbucks double caffeinated. You might notice I have a little more pep in my step. Whoa. This stuff's like rocket fuel. <laughs> Double caffeinated. It's essentially like the old, uh, what did they call it when they would just, you would get a coffee, but then they would also drop an espresso shot in there for you. Uh, Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. I'm sure you're a lot more versed in the coffee universe than I am. I just, but man, I I saw an ad for it. I'm like, oh, go on Amazon, buy some K-cups of this stuff. And whoa, it gets you moving. Okay. So you got the the curry going with the the double calf blend that's a depth charge is what that was called yeah you could order a depth charge probably at most coffee shops and it's a they just drop a an espresso shot in your coffee if you really want to get wired i'm actually i need to cut back i need to start doing half calf or or decaf because i love the taste of coffee too and it's just a ritual Mm. and i like coffee but i probably have too much caffeine because it's not really doing anything anymore well, I'm going to the gym after this. Maybe I'll set records there. So <laughs> yeah, let me know. I, I don't know. That decaffeinated to me. I, if I'm ever, to, I, I can't imagine me ever making it decaffeinated. That's like drinking a an, an O'Doul's to me. There's no chance I would ever put that in my body. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. Yeah, uh, I can't wait to hear the report and see how your weekend goes. Hopefully, you can sleep tonight with that double calf coffee. Sleeping's never a problem. I mean, my wife laughs at me. She's like, if I have, if she touches coffee like from four o'clock on, she's up. I don't have that problem at all. I can sleep anytime. Oh, yeah. It's a.m. only for me for coffee. I, I don't screw around in the afternoon. Yeah, I hear you. All right. Good stuff. Everybody have, yeah, a, great have a great weekend. We yeah. will continue to cover everything going on in the NFL. We're going to talk wide receivers, rest of career rankings there. Matt, I know you've been doing some wide receiver comparisons, so go check that out. At Williamson NFL is where you can find him on Twitter. I am at BD Peacock. Get your questions in as well for next Twitter Tuesday. Talk to you then right here, Peacock and Williamson.